0: Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Greetings and salutations. Uh, You may have noticed the audio quality doesn't suck. That's because I'm back home, guys. The old captain is back home, and this is, now that I think about it, this is not only the first time I, I have, no, I haven't. Have I only been back two weeks? Have I? Holy shit. I don't think I've done a podcast since I got back. This is the first time I've done a podcast since I got back. And it's the first time I've done the podcast uh, in the new shed, the new recording studio. All of you made fun of me with my pastel-colored, practically-free Goodwill Towels. But it turns out, according to that YouTube video, that if you want to soundproof something, it's four layers of towels. Works better than that $50 per square foot uh, overpriced bullshit that they got over at whatever the sound place is where Matt Baldoni knows. He goes there. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm back. And uh, I had to use the, uh, the recording studio uh, because it's 10 p.m. and everybody went to bed. The girlfriend went to sleep. We've been watching uh, Last Man Standing. Great show. Little, little queasy at times. Little, there's some really schmaltzy stuff they do occasionally, and you cringe because it's very swipple at sometimes. But then it is just funny and clever as all fuck. It is an absolute. It's a very family-friendly show. It is not liberal-friendly. It is not independent-minded-friendly. But then you, you could tell you look, you look over, because the old captain woke up at ten thirty. I wake up at ten thirty, eleven thirty at night. You look over. Hey, you normal people. You norm. You normies. And I look at my normie girlfriend, and she's her eyes do, dozing, you know, as if she was like in a liberal arts class that she didn't have to take, just just dozing, at an 8 a prerequisite liberal arts class about diversity. We, Even say, ah, ah, fuck whitey, yeah, and and she's losing it, you know, we're losing her, and I got hey hey hey. It's time for you to go to bed. i oh, No, I'm not I can, go to, I can I can do one more. I can do it. Hey, look, this isn't Firefly. This isn't Cowboy Bebop. Uh, this is this. You are falling asleep. You woke up at 6 a.m. You have a real job. You do that real commute thing. Uh, you go to bed. No, no, I can, I can watch one more. No, you and then and then she falls asleep in the credits in the next one. Never makes it past the intro credits of the second one. You can do one, then the second one she can't make it. So then the arguing wakes her up. So then she actually could maybe make it into half a one. And then the next time around, we don't start at a brand new episode. No, we got to start in the middle. In the middle because she thinks she never made it once. Never made it once through a second episode. <clears throat> so I tucked her off to bed. My tenants are probably sleeping. My neighbor's right next door. So we're going to we're gonna see if I wake anybody up. This will be the, the true test uh, to see if anybody gets woken up um but yeah it is good to be back uh i wanted to thank the four gentlemen five gentlemen was it wait no we had more than that's right we had a couple couples <clears throat> we had uh adam Piggott and the great one himself uh sub for me thank you very much gentlemen you can visit adam piggett's site pushing rubber downhill he has a podcast and everything though the guy's moving to italy it turns out and then the great one himself nobody knows his name he's mysterious he's he's uh no one knows who uh, but you can find him at the Cynical Libertarian Society. It's easiest just to Google that, and you'll find it. Um, but also, you can visit the site directly, which is the abbreviation for Cynical Libertarian Society. Cyn, C-Y-N, Lib, L-I-B, S-O-C, S-O-C dot com. We had DT and the man finally come together, like Jerry, uh, 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 Martin, and Lewis. Uh, Bert and Ernie, they came back together and performed splendidly and hilariously, as, as always, uh, they decided to break up like a 1970s hair band, or 80s band, even though everything was wonderful and fine, <clears throat> and so they put together a great performance, thank you very much. Hang on, I gotta turn this heat down. Hell darn it. I designed it too good. It's too insulated. Let's turn this down. Yeah, let's turn the temperature down. And a portable heater. Designed it too well. I'm too good of an engineer. Should have become an engineer. <clears throat> Uh, then we had also had O'Shea, uh, O'Shea Jackson. Uh, just go to YouTube and look up O'Shea Jackson. Want to thank him for taking the. Th- he woke up at a crack of a fart in the morning over in Poland. He's not busy or anything. He just does two videos a day, about forty-five minutes each, and then uh, and then he's got that whole medical school thing. He's mailing it in. Then who was the one, two, three? D.T. and the Man. Oh, and then uh, Mitch Burke, an actual real professional. Um, he's on AM twelve eighty of the Patriot. And he was kind enough to come in and uh, pinch hit for me, so I wanted to thank Mitch. So Thank you very much, guys, and for my audience out there, uh, please go visit and download their podcast and tune in. Uh, if if for anything, you know, download a couple, go visit at least, give them a little bit of traffic, even if you didn't like them. Uh, but yeah, so thank you guys. That uh, that saved my ass, and uh, they were right. I was. I don't know why he's having a sub for me. I uh, it was for writing. Um. <clears throat> I was driving way too much. I don't know if you knew this, but the country's a little big. And it takes a little bit to drive across the country. I was up 40 hours straight one time when the the plan didn't work. That's right. The last podcast I did, I was driving through Nebraska. You guys got to hear that wonderful audio quality in Nebraska. And I thought, okay, you know, I I got this book I want to write. It's not a book. It's not a book. It is an essay. I've been meaning to write essays. Sometimes they just happen to turn into books, like worthless and uh, Reconnaissance, man, those turned into essay, or into books, actually. So I, I think this one will turn into just an essay. And it should have only taken me a week to write. I had two weeks off from podcasting, and I was back. I, I had caught up with everything was going great, and then I just got blasted with Asshole Consulting. Um, by March 13th, right? not even two weeks into March, Asshole Consulting had its best week ever. I had a bunch of high-paying clients... Some lengthier, more involved videos where I actually had to research. Fucking Yodel. You guys know Yodel. Yodel is that that uh, smart guy with the German name and you all think he's like Florian Ulrich. He's like, oh, yeah, I have the accent and I have an IQ of 173. And um, he always asks these very involved questions I don't already have the answer to. Then I actually have to work... I can't just say no. Don't date your your sister's best friend. I don't have to give I don't have to give that advice. I actually have to be an economist to go research. I had a couple of those. One was way more involved. Didn't think he pay, he paid. And so uh I didn't get any writing done at all. There was no progress on this on this uh essay I want to write except for doing a little bit of research on the title. The title I want to use is already taken, but I guess uh Titles are not copyrighted as long as they are not unique. <clears throat> so, for example, The Da Vinci Code, you cannot write uh, a book called The Da Vinci Code or anything with Harry Potter or something like that. Uh, but It Happened One Night or A Walk Through the Meadows or uh, uh, you know, Thoughts to Remember, those kind of things can go because they're just common phrases in parlance that... Uh, that are so hey, regardless, I made absolutely no progress. And uh, the stuff has been building up. I got, you can hear it, I have a shit ton of stuff to go through. <clears throat> you guys did send me some good stuff. So this is like, I had to cut a lot of, not even fat, I wouldn't say fat. I had to cut out some of the meat. And, uh, yeah, so we got a full show uh, ahead of you. This may damn well be a two-hour show. And that's fine, that's fine. I'm cozy here. It's like a little club. It's like a little, it's like the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Is that what the Little Rascals had? I mean, it's it's the, you guys remember, you must have, I I hope to God. Oh, I wonder, do you millennials even have this experience anymore? Or has this been wiped away because you're not allowed to play with neighborhood kids? Tell me, tell me you had the experience of building a clubhouse when you were a kid. Please tell me you had that. Like an old farm would, would fall down in the wind. You know, there'd be some construction going on, and they throw a couple two by fours and you, you you grab your your dad dad's hammer and some old nails I mean it was really like uh, uh what's it called fallout Las Vegas I mean you were scraped I mean oh wow a cup <laughs> oh look a hammer oh wow rusty nail you would you would you would nail the nails straight do any of you have that experience? Maybe Gen X was the last generation to have. I'd be really curious to see if Undertow, um, Chris Beckloff. I wonder, did you guys ever build like a little fort, like a little clubhouse? We had two. We had two. And there were pros and cons to both of them in the neighborhood we were growing up. And I forgot where we got the supplies. It was an old shed that burnt down. Swear to God, it's amazing none of us got tetanus. The stuff that parents let us do back in those days. At least that was an element. Of course, maybe they didn't. No, they had to know. It was right on the road. They must have seen us. We got this clubhouse, and it wasn't anything pretty. Uh, it must have been a side of a garage. We had we had enough like two-by-fours we could put together somewhat of a frame. We also built it into a tree. That, that provided a little bit of stability. And I remember that it stayed warm. It was winter, and, and you would, there would be nothing in it. There was nothing in the clubhouse. And all you do is like, hey, do you want to go in the clubhouse? Yeah. And you would just go sit and be cold in the clubhouse. And you'd be excited, you'd be like, man, wow, it's cool, we're in the clubhouse. Oh, wow, man, it's really cool here in the closet. It was. It was like being in the closet in South Park. It was this cool, rusty nailed, jagged, you could cut yourself a million ways till Friday, death trap, basically. And we'd just sit there. We even had, like, makeshift little benches. And we just sit in the clubhouse. Well, wow, man, it's our clubhouse. We'd stay warm. And then a good gust of wind came in and blew it over. And then we rebuilt it. But then somebody got a hold of a, of a window pane. Like, oh, cool, we can have a window in our clubhouse. This one was sturdier and stronger. I don't know what we did. Obviously, we repurposed some of the wood. But I think we, we had a better design. Uh, we, we must have had DT and the man come in as their civil engineers. And uh, it was so good, you could walk on top of the roof. We were kicking around maybe putting on a second floor, but uh, I think we do not have enough material. But we had a clubhouse, man, an actual clubhouse. We built a fort, not a snow fort. Now when the snow plows come in, you got that big berm of snow and you dig holes and you feel like you're a, a, a pistol rat in the Vietnam, Viet Cong rat holes. We had an actual structure that we went to. That was our fort. I, you don't even see them. You don't see them. Tree houses, don't see them. Now it's all professionally made. Did you, really, I'd I'd be curious. Make the comments below. You can actually comment on SoundCloud. I wonder if anybody makes clubhouses anymore. You're all too busy being right. You you kids don't know any better. It's really your parents' fault. And I apologize because it's my generation now that are the parents. None of you got your BMX bikes. You're all driven all over the place. You got your phones. And, And you're being shipped off to one extracurricular activity or another you got your soccer and then you got your baseball then you got your basketball and then you got your football then you got your gymnastics then you got your baton twirling then you got your, your whatever it is that's that's going on you're not allowed to go out and have unstructured play you're not allowed to go out and create your own games we had hit uh, super sucker I've talked about that one monkey in the middle that's a standard you guys all know Schmear the queer you guys remember that one Seven years old, you don't know what a queer is. Yeah, hey, the guy, we're going to play smear the Queer. Who's the queer? I'll be the queer. Hey, Let's smear him. You tackle the guy, and then the next guy's the queer. He didn't know what a queer was. Monkey in the middle, is that racist now, huh? Is that racist? Suck my fucking dick if you think that's racist, you fucking Nazis wonder if kids in Nazi Germany were allowed to have games, or was every word, like, did the Germans have political correctness? I mean, they, they invented Nazi, they just maybe never got around to the language. Did people have to walk on eggshells and landmines to worry about the words they use? Oh no, he used Schmear the Queer. Oh, you, could, you couldn't you could play Schmear the Queer now, not because of the queer word, it's just too dangerous. Everybody's piling on top of the kid. <laughs> That's a good time, so... <laughs> Oh, you fucking kids, you so miss out, man. You have no idea what fucking fun we had in the 80s. No idea. I don't mean that like, hey, it was a good time back in the 30s. With Hoagie Carmichael and Louis Armstrong and Bing Crosby, dang that, but those were, ooh, we cut a rug back then. No, no, no. We had great fucking times in the 80s. We had fucking everything. We had the freedom of the kids in the 50s with video games of the 80s. It doesn't even compare. The childhoods of today don't even compare to the super awesome fun we had. I'll even grant you this. Divorce even made it funner to be a kid in some regard, and that's because you had less, less authority. There was only one parent. They had to stay at home, you know, cook something, do something. There was some element of home preparing still. It was that you couldn't afford to go out, especially in the late 70s and the early 80s. The Volca Recession, you guys don't remember that. There was no, McDonald's was a treat. That was definitely a treat back then. So there was no fast food. The parent had to stay in the house, go out and play. Be back before the lights go on. And you go out and play. And you get in all sorts, and no one died. Not one person died. At least in my group, I'm sure some kids. Not one kid got kidnapped, except in somebody else's group. Stuck together, learned to fight, learned to play. Oh, we, we found, there was one in an apartment building. Uh, We found an old mattress. We all got lice from it, by the way. It was just great, though. We found this old, thrown-out mattress. um, And somebody had left the door, like the emergency door, and I don't know why there was no stairwell. This door led to just a cliff straight down. Well, someone had left it open or unlocked, and what we did is we had moved the the box spring and the mattress below, and we jumped out of the second-floor story onto the bed. It was the greatest time ever. Not one person got hurt. Not one. My brother and I played rock. This is a great deal. You're going to love this game. We'd pick. We'd run down the, the sidewalk, and by the house there was some gravel. And what you would do is pick up some gravel or, or dirt or rock, and you'd throw it, and you would try to hit your brother. <laughs> Not really thinking this one through. Well, he got me. This is the only place I've ever gone to the hospital. The only reason I ever got stitches, got three stitches right in my forehead. Brother ran in. I was going to... Beat the ever living shit out of him! I think I was six and he was four, and he was hiding. And then the the babysitter was was crying because there's blood all over. But I was enraged. I want to beat the heck out of my brother. You guys miss that? Now you got your little phones. Oh, you got Candy Crush Saga. You got uh, you got whatever it is that you play on the games there. You got your little your little what is it? The Swift, the Shape, the Shift. What's the Nintendo thing? Hang on, let's look this up. Oh, there, head it mute. All right, Nintendo. Sorry about that dead time. Switch, the Nintendo Switch. 4.5 reviews two out of 2 reviews. <laughs> 500 bucks. 500 bucks for the Nintendo Switch, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. I do appreciate that Nintendo is a uh, console where you get cartridge and games, you play it. It's not a PC without the keyboard, which is what the Xbox One and the PS4 are. And where now it's just like you just download games. You never actually get the games yourself. I was talking to uh, my, uh, my uh, what do you call them, bartender buddies. Got myself uh, coffee this morning. And uh, coming up on eight months, no booze. It's, uh, I, I, it's totally overrated. Sobriety is totally overrated. <laughs> it's, it's just not worth it. I'll, I'll stick with it. I'm gonna, I'm, I don't need to drink. But I, I just, no, this is like, no, I can see. I, yeah, drinking is definitely preferable. Definitely preferable. Anyway, so I go and I talk to these guys and I had destroyed my PS4 and filmed the destruction of it with an axe on YouTube uh, because that's what it deserved and it felt good. That was better than any $400 you could spend on therapy. And he was telling me about his Xbox One about like how now what they're doing with the games is yeah, you go buy the game, you put in the, the, the DVD or the disc but all the games, all the games you cannot play until the Code is downloaded from the internet. So you have to download an installation, some kind of uh, uh, update, and then that will allow you to play the game. So he's talking about all these people waiting in line to get whatever video game that it is. They get it, they go home, and they can't play it because the stupid company hasn't released the update yet. And then, Which, again, makes me behoove the question, uh, why should I ever buy a console? Why should I ever buy... Something that requires an internet. If I require an account or internet access, I don't want to play it. I just reinstalled my uh, Xbox 360. Well, I installed it a while ago before I took off for the South. And I went to GameStop, and I bought a whole bunch of games for under 10 bucks. And, uh, you know, the, the graphics aren't... I, I'm not impressed by graphics anymore. Uh, but I did play some really cool game. I, I've been playing a series called Dragon Age. Or Dragon's Age, I guess there's three of them out there, maybe four, and uh, and it's all if you can get over how they shove gayness down your throat, like oh this guy, I mean it is, especially the latest one I was playing, is it Dragon's Age three? Whatever one I'm playing now, you you play a guy, and then you're talking to this cleric, and you cannot. Have a con like you you have choices in dialogue, which leads to other things that can happen into the game. So, you know, your your choices in dialogue have an effect on the game. There are consequences. And so this guy gets pissed off at me and he's now a rival. He's not an ally. He's a rival because I didn't want to sleep with him. I'm like, oh, that's good. Let's just shove gay shit down kids' throats. Let's make them decide whether maybe they I don't know. Maybe they just want to go slay dragons. We didn't have that shit in the 80s. No, you kids, you kids with your video games, and it's not that it's the same thing with video games, it's the goddamn adults fucking ruining it. Just fucking ruining it. I caught it on the tail end of my childhood with Captain Planet, but now, oh my God, you kids, they just can't let you kids be and play games. No, there's gotta be a social justice warrior message, some leftist message, global warming, gays okay. Fucking, what is it? Hang on. What was it? Sesame Street? We don't have to talk about it. It's not on. There's, pl- There's so much that happened. Sesame Street's coming out with a an Aspergers or an autism Muppet. And again, my position on autism, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's real, but I'm also pretty sure 98 percent of your children are fucking faking it, or at least the adults are faking it, because I don't charter children with that much evil. It's just the 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 soccer moms and the trophy wives who are. My son's special too. Some fucking retard, and he can't do shit, and he's a lazy fuck, which reflects upon our shitty parenting and me being a horrible mother, but, but that can't be possible. It can't be that I'm a shitty mother or I'm a shitty father. The kid has a disease. He, he's got the autisms. That's why it's not that I I ran off and got my master's degree when he was two weeks old. It's it's not that I was running to go get my doctorate and go to work and, and catch the bus while he was still attached to the placenta. I forgot about him. He was dragging and bouncing up and down on the slush. That's not the reason why he's got his he has got a disease. It's the autism and the Aspergers. <laughs> yeah, but in my day, man, in the '70s, we were like little kids. We had, yeah, had Cookie Monster. You know what fucking Cookie Monster did? He ate fucking cookies. And there was the Count. You want to know what the Count did? The Count liked to count because he was a mathematician. Ah, ah, ah! Three bolts of lightning. And then what else? There was Grover. No one knew what the fuck Grover was. Yeah, maybe he was gay. God, was he a guy or a girl? You could never tell what Grover was, but you know what? We didn't say, hey, does Grover like dick or poontang? You know, we just like, oh, there's super Grover. He had the hat and the, and the cape. Super Grover. Burton Ernie never thought gay. Not once did we think gay. Not thinking death, not nothing, until you fucking adults came in and ruined it for the younger kids today. Even Jim Henson with the Muppets, who obviously had to be some leftist hippie. There was no politics involved in that. It was just fun. You just had fun. Transformers. G.I. Joe. Get your BMF spike. Go off some sweet chumps. Build yourself a shitty clubhouse. Hey, look, you can walk on it. We got a window. And now, oh, my God. You want to talk about being plugged into the Matrix. You kids with those cell phones. And I hate to sound like that, but now, now it really means... See, it was funny. You guys don't remember this. Let me explain it. Some people minds will remember it. <clears throat> the baby boomers would make fun of the Gen Xers back in the 70s and the 80s in media and television. Where there'd be this straight-laced World War II vet who was probably in his 50s or 60s. And their kids were like, dude, loosen up, dad. He's like, you dang kids... You don't know what you kids are ruined, You're going to cause the ruination of the country. And they mocked and they ridiculed. They lampooned. They they, made, they characterized these type of people. These, these sticks on the mud. These, these old fogies. And they'd always say, you dang kids, that's where it comes from. Except the World War II generation who says, you dang kids, you don't remember what it was like in the Great Depression. They were fucking right. It was like uh, Senator McCarthy. He was fucking right. And the baby boomers went on to become the shittiest generation ever. D- until they bred. And then the breeding continues. And as I said, shit beget shit squared, which beget shit cubed. I, Lord knows to what level of shit, to what power we're going to get before this whole thing collapses. But we'll keep breeding as long as, as, long as we can keep printing off money. But they were right. And I'm right here, too. You kids have got to unplug from the matrix. You have got to unplug from these cell phones and the video games and the social network. I'm not saying don't do it, but my God, have I not seen a a more blatant use of a a, a communications network to convey propaganda? Television, media, social media, digital. I mean, what the fuck? What was it? When We Rise? Did you guys see that? When We Rise? Had four shows, complete flop. Trying to brainwash the kids. Now we got a kid with autism over on Sesame Street. Oh, he's just, oh, look at him, he's just being an old man. Oh, you kids. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Until you guys grow up with divorce and dysfunction, and then you guys all have, what is it? What is the percent of kids that got autism or mental disorders? What, quarter of the population's on meds? 40% of women are on meds? Goes up with the younger you get. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't listen to your elders. Fuck your elders. They're just sticks in the mud. Oh, look how cute. Look how precious and quaint he is. Oh, you kids shouldn't listen to your online things. You should go out and play more. <laughs> it's sad, man. It's really sad. Because I, 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 I've never forgotten what it's like to be a kid. And now a lot of my friends have a lot of kids who are about to be that age, especially some are in middle school age. And I just, that's especially, even late grade school, you know, that's where they they realize just what a, a tortured hell school is. They start to realize it's all bullshit. They, they can't articulate it, but they just know they don't like school. And they go, how many more years of this? I even got one who's like uh, now in uh, sophomore in high school. That's the oldest of it. That's like the leader of that generation. And uh, I thought like, okay, look, they're going to listen to me because I'm not the parent. They're going to see the lifestyle I live and say, hey, he sleeps in till 1030 and rides motorcycles and does all this fun shit. They're going to, they're going to know it's, they may not agree with me, but they might listen. You know, I might be able to get their ear. And you know what's sad? These kids are so beaten between the divorce folks. The bullshit on TV, the the mind-numbing crap on social media, but the worst thing is going to that goddamn mental prison called school. They just don't have the energy anymore. I've talked about it before, maybe not here, and one of these days maybe I'll write a poster to help teachers. But a lot of these teachers are like, oh, how do I get kids to pay attention? And I'm sorry, by about the fifth or sixth grade, they're gone forever. Like, there was this, this chemistry teacher I had in, in high school... And in hindsight, he was brilliant. Uh, but I had been in the system for what? I was sixteen or seventeen years old by that time. And and by that time, I had just had the life sucked out of me. He could have been, he could have been Mike Rowe, and Bruce, you could have had Mike Rowe, Bruce Willis, who else do I really look up to and respect? <clears throat> um, a, a resurrected John Wayne, Clint Eastwood. You could have all be my teachers my junior year in high school. You wanna know what? I wouldn't have paid attention. You wanna know why? Cause the previous teachers just plain beat the shit out of you of it. You 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 were you were like, what are you gonna be any different? And and I'm not even, I don't even have the energy to give you the benefit of the doubt, to give you a shot to impress me, to reinvigorate me, to get me hopeful and excited about a topic to study again. I'm on, I'm on impulse power. I'm on emergency reserves. I'm on reserve backup battery power. I just got to sail and hope the winds blow me to graduation so I can get out of this fucking hellhole. So don't expect me to start firing up the brain and the learning systems. It's just going to take too much damn effort and energy. And that's why I see with these kids. I say, hey, I got had this idea for this kid to make a lot of money. Wouldn't have to work a job like I did. Wouldn't have to work in a, in a meat locker. Wouldn't have to work over at a landscape firm shoveling shit. Wouldn't have to do landscaping or or laying sod or putting in retaining walls. Wouldn't have to wash dishes. Had this great idea. Could work from indoors. Uses modern technology. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Even in the field the kid wanted to do. And you just look at the kid's eye and you're like, ah, there's nothing left there. There's no one to talk to, is there? I mean, and, and I understand. I understand. This is not necessarily the kid's fault. But that's happening with a lot of kids. This other kid, a buddy of mine had her 45th birthday, 46th, brought her daughter. And we like the daughter. The kid's really cool. We enjoy her company. She's kind of funny. But you could just see she was just dying, just wanted to fall asleep, falling asleep at the table in any health school. Boring. It's like, yeah, that brain is being destroyed. She's one of those that just gets straight A's for the sake of getting straight A's because her mother wants her to. Brilliant kid on top of it, but not not an excitement, not a passion. The kid, and that's even worse. Like you have the capacity to get an A, but the entire time you're just going through the motions, get an A, get your folks out of your ass. You never never actually take the time to figure out. Wait, do I have an interest in this? Do I have an interest in chemistry? Do I have an interest in physics? Shit, I love physics. I love the concept of nuclear engineering, which ironically had a lot of basic chemistry. I love the concept of how you could extract so much energy and calculate it out of you know doing molar conversions. I could make bombs uh, with with household chemicals. <laughs> that was cool. But, oh no, no, no. Uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Like, oh, maybe, maybe these are hints. I should go become a chemist. No. Then, then all of a sudden, takes like you know economics, which is a, which is a real sly, it's like, oh wow, this has some practicality and it's very interesting, maybe I should become this, it's like, no, you should have become an engineer, you should have become an electrician, you should have done something else oh, well. anyway, it is the Clary Podcast I'm glad you're here, uh, let's talk about Cowboy Bebop I had someone reminded me of Cowboy Bebop, which by the way, next year turns 20 years old, so for those of you who know what it is, now you can feel really old So I put a picture of Spike and Vicious at the church where Vicious has the sword up against Spike's heart and Spike has his gun trained on Vicious's heart. And if you don't know what that is, that's all right because that's why I'm telling you. So I put that up on my Facebook because I was curious. I'm like, okay, most people, they got to know about Cowboy Bebop. They have to know about Cowboy Bebop, the one Japanese anime that doesn't fucking suck dick. Which is almost true. The vast majority of anime, and I know all of you out there are rolling your eyes, oh, Japanese animation, girls with skirts who are prepubescent, oh yeah, and you think creepole, and you have every right to think that because, at least today, you look at it you're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is this? But, back in the 70s, let me see how old, let's test your old school now, Transor-Z, any of you remember, remember the uh, pre-Voltron? Uh, well, you remember Voltron, but how many of you remember Transor-Z. Yeah, Fist of the North Star, the first version, not the remake version in the nineties. The first one came out. Akira, my favorite. Robotech. Then you watch it again; it's absolutely horrible. Right? And then, and then, and then that. Those are the pioneers. Crusher Joe. There's an obscure one. Thankfully, that's actually coming out. Great movie. But that that again is like one of the five animes that doesn't suck. But aside from that, which was good stuff, classical stuff. What was it? Captain Harlock. Uh, Galaxy 999 Express. Look these up. These are all groundbreaking. They may not have been the best, but they were the first to basically show that it didn't have to be a fucking cat and mouse blowing each other up with dynamite. So, the 90s come, and you think, wow, Japanese animation this is going to be great. Manga comes, it's the Japanese comic books, and they think Japanese animation and Japanese comic books are going to blow away Americans. Well, it turns out whereas the Japanese style of drawing is new and different and much more realistic and kind of cool, their storytelling really fucking sucks. It really fucking sucks. And then as time goes on and the uh, the herbivore movement takes over, it starts to become a little bit too sexual. And then there's naked cartoons. And then there's uh, uh, little girls dressed in, in skirt outfits. They're dressed like Catholic schoolgirls, but they're not the hot college-age ones. They're like 12. And then you're like, oh shit, I don't have anything to associate with this. It's like migtel. There was something really there at first, and then it got weird and gross, and you won't have anything to do with it after that. Kind of like that. So then, not every once in a while, I'll give an anime a shot. I'll, I'll try, so like, Samurai Champloo, who's directing it, Wings of Homie Ase. What was... Um, <clears throat> there was one, John Ratzberger, Cliff Clavin, of all people, did the voice for a couple of them. Um, oh, what was it? People are yelling what it is. There was a director, Princess Mononoke. So there's some good ones that come out. Um, but they're rare. Ghost in the Shell. There's a movie coming out called Ghost in the Shell based off of a reasonably good anime called Ghost in the Shell. But for every one of those, there's 20, 25 weird ninja girl kicking Catholic prepubescent pedophile shit going on and then that just ruins it for you and then you don't even want to be associated with Japanese anime because you don't want to be associated with pedophilia. 1998. Cowboy Bebop comes along. Now I know all you guys, if you like Firefly, think, oh, Firefly's great and groundbreaking. Honest to God, Josh Whedon must have seen Cowboy Bebop and based it off of that because, surprise, surprise, this may sound familiar to you Firefly fans, um, it takes place in space a couple hundred years from now. I think the the date is 2400 or so. The planets have been colonized, and and, uh, these guys are bounty hunters, and they uh, work whatever jobs they can, and they run into hilarious antics. And you fall in love with this misfit, ragtag, patchwork band of family of rejects they all kind of find each other through trials and tribulations and this guy's crew grows it's actually well there's two guys, it's, it's Jet and Spike, well anyway so they take on a bunch of vagabonds and orphans and, and a dog and also and there's a family you're, you're really attached to and there's a dark seedy past to the, to the hero and it becomes one of the best not one of them. the best Japanese animation ever. Ever. They put Americans in charge of the music. I don't know who directed. Well, I know who directed it, but I'm surprised it's the Japanese people that wrote it, because it makes sense. You don't have a dog turning into a robot fighting Godzilla in the Pacific for some reason and no one really has a big big plot caps involved. But it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. And like Firefly. Ends way too early, and so I post. I put put this picture up. I say, if you don't know what this is, you are missing out on a piece of culture and literature or, or art that rivals Casablanca, Die Hard, and Atlas. Shrugged. And not only did everyone who thought like I was crazy, like, oh yeah, how dare you? It's blasphemy. Nothing's better than Casablanca. <laughs> Samuel well near 80% of people had no idea what I was talking about. And I'm like, honest to God, this is worse than Marcus Brown not seeing Die Hard, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, Star Wars, because that's just one guy. But when eighty to eighty five percent of you have not seen Cowboy Bebop, I, I just like, what Where? really? This didn't get through the through the the net? You didn't, you didn't, like, identify... This one didn't come highly recommended by people? So, what I'm recommending you do... Go online, see if you can't find them. If you want, buy through my Amazon affiliate program. All right? You know, oh, I just run them instead. I know, I know, but I'm just recommending you buy them because you're going to want to buy them. You got to watch the first four episodes, which I think will get you past where they get the dog. Once you get the dog... Here's the Cowboy Bebop Challenge, and no one's ever passed it. If you watch the four or three episodes up until the point they get the dog, you will not be able to not watch the rest of it. You will binge on the rest of it. Because that's when they hook you. That's when they got you. Because then the family, the team, is formed. You may have found it weird, I admit. Anime is a little bit different art form. Just, Just get to the dog. Promise me that. Ein is his name. His name is Ein. The German word for one. His name is Ein. He's a Welsh Corgi. And when Ein comes on to the Cowboy Bebop crew, I guarantee you, you will not be able to not watch the rest of it. And if you don't want to invest that much time, that's fine. There's a movie called Cowboy Bebop the movie. And the movie, you don't need to know what's going on. You don't need background. It's a standalone movie. You'll get a lot more jokes if you watch the series first, then watch Cowboy Bebop the movie, because it'll tell you a little bit of background. But it, 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 if you want to watch just a good, solid, straight-up movie... Watch Cowboy Bebop the movie. And that way you don't have to get acclimated uh, to the crew. You'll see, And that is on par. I even see, the movie's really good. The movie's great. Um, and kind of like Firefly. Um, well, not kind of like Firefly. Serenity, the movie of Firefly was all right. And the episodes were much better. Cowboy Bebop, half the episodes are even better than the movie. So maybe use the movie as a litmus. I'm just trying to help you. If you're bored, you don't know what to do. Go watch Cowboy Bebop the movie and then see if you can't go buy the DVD sets through my Amazon affiliate program nonetheless. All right. What we got? Oh, maybe we'll do some sponsors. All right. We already talked about my Amazon affiliate program, so go ahead and do that. Uh, We have my books. You can buy those through my Amazon affiliate program. Yes, I get a little bit more of a cut on top of it. Uh, But my books include Reconnaissance Man. That's for kids who don't know what they want to do after high school. Or a lot of you kids, you don't know what to do after college. Matter of fact, if you don't know what to do and you think about going back to college, you don't know what to do for a career or a profession, please go buy Reconnaissance Man. And then please go read it. It's available in paperback, Kindle, and audio. All right? It will save you decades of life. If you read all my books, you will save 70 years of your life. Because most people waste 70 years of their life. I will, I will set you back. You will time travel. You will make up for lost time. You will be five years old again, but you'll have the intelligence in the brain of your 25-year-old self. So please, go get Reconnaissance Man. We got The Black Man's Guide out of Poverty. That's for any black men who demand better. That's how simple it is. If you are a black man, you are sick of poverty, you are sick and tired of being told you can't do this because society and white man, all this other crap, when you want to take your life into your own hands, like in a good way and do something, not not kill yourself, but like actually lead your life because you demand better, get that book, read it. Paperback and Kindle, it's in Kindle, so if any other black people that see you read it, don't kick the shit out of you. We got Bachelor Pad Economics. That's for any man or woman brave enough to read it. Is the financial advice bible for Americans? Unfortunately. God almighty, was it Laura Southern's book, the 90 page pamphlet? <laughs> and now is is it her or somebody else that's gonna go work for the Trump administration? I'm sure. I'm sure they got by with the brilliance they put into those ninety page pamphlets. Anyway, if you want a little bit more, you want something a little bit more practical aside from titties and hair, go get Bachelor Pat Akin. Yeah, I am pissed. I am pissed. I'm I'm not jealous that the, I am pissed because what didn't wasn't there a kerfuffle with uh, Glenn Beck and it was it Tommy Marin, some gal went on the view and she didn't perform up to uh, dirty uncle Glenn Beck's standards this I, I, I mentioned it on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it was I'm like this is what happens when you old patriarchs of the conservative libertarian non-leftist movement think with your small dicks and not your big dicks, and let unpolished, I don't want to use the word unrefined, uh, novice would be a better word. I don't even necessarily hate, I don't hate these people. I, and I champion and I advocate, yes, use your looks. But this is what happens when you take inexperienced, novice, pretty girls, who did none of the lifting, none of the rolling on the mats, none of the jujitsu, and you throw them into a competition with leftists and liberals. You throw them into the den. You, it, it's, and we're the ones accused of treating women poorly. We're the ones accused of discriminating against women. No, we just discriminate for women. All you guys is, oh, they're cute. I mean, you rarely are going to find a girl that has the intelligence and looks. They're out there. They're out there. But uh, you're, you're very unlikely to find them in the millennial generation. And it has to And look, I'm not saying they can't even become intelligent. They can. It's not even intelligence. They have a, an intelligence. It's wisdom and experience and knowledge. Right? Oh, I trust Ann Coulter or Michelle Malkin or Condoleezza Rice way before I'll trust Millennial Millie. But that's right. It's not about politics, is it? You horny, desperate, thinking with your small head, conservative, patriarchal males. You want to bang Millennial Millie, right? You want to bang Laura Southern, and that's why they get so much street cred. Oh, nothing changes. Absolutely nothing. Anyway, so for my listening audience, uh, certainly go and look at Laura Southern. Certainly go and look at Millennial Millie. Go and look at uh, Julie Borowski. Please do. I'm not saying don't. Enjoy enjoy the view. Uh, But if you want to actually learn shit, you wanna be on the cutting edge? You wanna learn some philosophy or economics or financial planning or strategies that are just not taunting, you're not gonna get it. You're not gonna get it from Millennial Millie. Get my book, Bachelor Pat Economics. While you're at it, also get worthless. The young person's indispensable guy to choosing the right major. Two-thirds of kids are still majoring in stupid shit. Right? And I know probably two-thirds cannot be reasoned or evidenced with. But if you're an adult or an uncle or an older person who happens to have a younger person in your life that you give two shits about, and their parents are pussies, the father's not around, whatever, and they're swallowing whole the bullshit, follow your heart, money, to follow. Get them this book, Worthless, available in paperback, Kindle, and audio. Enjoy the decline. We guys got that one. Don't have to worry about that. Curse of the high IQ. This is an absolute must for all my listeners. If you are listening to this podcast right now, I'm not joking. I'm not saying this to make you feel better. You are way smarter than the average person. Very, very statistically likely. And because you are way smarter than the average person, there are things in your life that you're confused about, that you're angry about. I mean, just right now, like... I... It was the Beckloff. He was talking about... Was it the Silver Surfer or was it Flash? I think it was the Flash. And if you know anything about comic books... Uh, the Flash is kind of arrogant and cocky, kind of a prick. So in, in one of the comic books, Mr. Beckloff knows the canon better than I do. One of these people go up there and say, dude, why are you such a, a dick? Why are you such a prick? And he's like, because everybody around me is slow. Everybody around me is in my way. And I don't know anybody that can keep up with me, except for like maybe Superman. I have to handicap myself constantly. Right now, I'm slowing my speech down so I can talk to you. And there was a scene or an episode where he's, he's on a date and he goes to this. <laughs> Chris would know that, the, the comic book. But he's, he's at a dinner table and he's trying his hardest not to eat fast. And he's just telling himself, okay, measured bites, measured bites, no rush. Measured bites, eat slow. And so, as these couple of panels of the comic book go by, the next panel, he's already done. His plate is gone. People haven't even had their first bite to eat, and they're all looking with their with their mouths agape and just shocked and horrified. He's like, "Damn it! That's what it's like." I I mean, I realized this more as I was driving. Like, people just drive slow. For no fucking reason. I don't mean to be this hacky bit about driving. This isn't what I'm talking about. If you look at the highway, people are driving slow. Because they're dumb. Or maybe they're not dumb, but they're dumber than you. They got nowhere to be. They don't understand the concept of finiteness. Uh, I, I, I am acutely aware of my finiteness. I'm acutely aware of my mortality. That's why I like to pack shit in. I eat super fast. No one has met me that eats faster than me. People say, I eat pretty fast, but not as fast as you. Yeah, why? You want to know why? Because there's no fucking reason to sit here anymore. Let's get the food in our system, have the enzymes attack it, let's get the fuck out and do something. But people are like, oh, let's sit and enjoy this meal. I'm like, my food is getting cold you people are sitting there, you're talking in between each bite, you're taking these little little faggoty little micro little little fucking limp millennial size, hipster dick size biting No on it like a fucking squirrel does a nut It's like cut off a sizable piece, put it in your fucking mouth chew it ten times, swallow the fucking thing, and already have that piece of shit next bite ready to go. You need to masticate your food. Oh, is a disgusting-sounding word. I hate that. That and salve. Salve and masticate. Two two words. Whoever came up with them should be beaten. You need to chew your food. Can you even taste your food? Yeah, can you taste fucking life falling through your fingers because you're fucking wasting your time lecturing me about the speed I'm eating? Sitting at a table for fucking two hours? Unless the conversation's very good. That I can understand. But if we're just there to eat, and we're on our way to a hike, on the side of a road, having a Subway sandwich, people fucking, taking time to, 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 what's the word? Not salvage. Appreciate. Savor. Try to savor my ham and cheese Subway sandwich. Eat the fucking thing and let's go. The sun is going down. Nobody thinks like that except high IQ people. So if you feel like the flash, if you feel like me eating, if you feel like, why the fuck people don't get this? A crisis, a problem or crisis hits, and you're already five steps ahead of people, you're making decisions because you know that going down this road is going to lead to that thing, and they're not going to think that all the door would be locked and we have the keys. That guy's going to have the car. This guy won't have the car, but we we'll have to get fuel because that car's thing's broken down. Then we got to get to the mechanic. You, you got that down in about two seconds flat and you're already barking orders. And people, they're like, what are, what are you talking about? Well, don't we have to? And they're like, they're still on square one after you explaining it to them for two minutes, of which you don't have those precious two minutes. If everybody just shut the fuck up and did exactly what the fuck you told them to do, the problem would be resolved and the sun wouldn't be down and your car's battery would be working fine. And you'd save yourself a $300 towing bill. That's the shit I'm talking about. That's the shit that's in this book. That's the shit that's in Curse of the High IQ. There's no there's no solving it. That's in the book too. Where It's like, yeah, here are the problems. It is a curse of having a high IQ. Right? It's dealing with the inordinate number of normies that just slow the fucking world down for you. That do not allow you to achieve your best because no matter how smart and fast and good you are, you still have to rely on other people in this world to get your shit done. And the incredible, just, you-wanna-mass-murder-all-these-fucking-sheep type of frustration that comes with it. It teaches you how to not kill them. And how to breathe. And how to accept. Oh, First, it teaches you to identify that problem, which I hopefully explained in this little bit of a rant. Uh... But then it goes on to identify other problems you might have. Because right now you got all these problems. You don't know what the cause is. You just think, oh, that's the way the world is. I explain it to you. And then some of them have solutions. I tell you, well, here's how you solve it. Some of them don't have solutions. Yep, yeah, nope. People are going to keep driving slower in America because we are getting dumber. And, nope. You, you are, you're not going to find a boss that is your equal. You will not. You are, you are condemned to self-employment because that's the only way you're really going to be challenged. So you can get that book, Curse of the High IQ. And then we have other people's books. Frank Servi's uh, book, Uncle Nick and Burning the Midnight, as well as P- Where Pretty Lies Perish. Those three books can be found on Amazon.com. Two of the three, Uncle Nick and Burning the Midnight, follow the exploits and adventures of Uncle Nick, who is basically the epitome. He's a fictional character, but he's the epitome of what a red pill man would look like. He's 31, 32, lives in California, has zero fucks to give, dates accordingly, works accordingly, gives advice to his little nieces and nephews accordingly, pisses off all the adults accordingly. Get the books. They're great. That's Uncle Nick. You can find them written by Frank Servi, uh, Burning the Midnight, paperback and Kindle as well. Pushing Rubber Downhill by Adam Piggott as well as Run Guts, Pull Cones. I think both of them are available in paperback and Kindle. And then, of course, you have his blog, his website, pushingrubberdownhill.com. So you can visit our buddy there. Feminism by Janet Blomfield. You guys know her as Judgy Bitch. Uh, You can go to JudgyBitch.com and check her out. Uh, The Average Married Dad's Guide to Health, Wealth, and a Sexy Marriage by Alex Peck. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. He's been out in California, California, Wisconsin. Um, But uh, he, he wrote a real good book. I know most of the books out there are for single guys, but this is for married men. So if you happen to be a married, honest to God, Jesus Christ, hang on. It was... Silver Dollar Bikini taught me this. It gave me insight into this. As to just how many of you guys tune into the show but don't practice anything you've learned here? I'd like to have sex with my wife. That's why I don't put a draw line in the sand. Oh! So this is vicarious living now, is it? If you don't want to live vicariously anymore and you'd actually like to get your wife to heal... I don't mean heal as in patch up. Like, heal, be under control... You know, willingly have sex with you, not because you say, yes, dear, but where you could say, no, dear, we're not doing that. And then she's like, oh, my God. And then she's like ripping off your clothes. Tell me no more. Well, you guys got into the position now where you can't tell your wife. No, I've been down there. Anyway, if you want to get that book for you married guys who couldn't afford, you could afford silver dollar bikini. You would have liked to get silver dollar bikini, but your wife wouldn't wear silver dollar bikini. Get this book. It might be a bit more tame. Average Married Dad's Guide to Health, Wealth, and a Sexy Marriage by Alex Peck. Of course, available on paperback and Kindle on Amazon. Daybydaycartoon.com. Chris Muir, our good buddy over in Florida. Go ahead and get your daily dose of political humor on his political comic, DaybyDayCartoon. Cartoon. And then Yancey DeVere, Deadwood Hole. Just look look up Yancey DeVere, his uh, album, Deadwood Hole. Yancey DeVere is spelled Y-A-N-C-E-Y-D-E-V-E-E-R. And his video is The Deadwood Hole. And then, uh, why do I have this? I uh, I own the World Report. IOTWReport.com. Check that out. I own the World Report. IOTWReport.com, a blog. I'm sure we're probably co-plugging each other there. And that's why I have them listed there. Now, listen, man. I like the news. You guys like the news? Oh, what do I tell you, boys? It's just so typical. Just, why are the pretty girls... The ones that are given the money and finances to get into horses. I mean, she was pretty. At one time, she was hot. <clears throat> I mean, I, I want to ask a serious question. I, I honestly do, because I don't know. I don't have a daughter. But do fathers, like, fall in love with their daughters beyond my daddy's little princess? Like, if they're pretty, do fathers just throw more money at them? I don't even know if it's a sexual thing. I don't want to imply uh, incest. But, like, is there is there a... A non-sexual bias to your prettier daughters? Why is it there's never a fat, ugly chick with horses? It's always hot chicks, or technically formerly hot chicks, because they're always running into trouble, and that's when they hit the news. Equestrian switches to law, piles on debt. This is from a paper in Seattle. Rachel Sindorf walks in Pioneer... Oh, she's, uh... That's the... I had to copy and paste it, because when you, um... If you try and print it off, you get a 1,000 pages with the comments. Not to mention a ton of ads I don't want, so I just copied and pasted Uh Rachel Sindorf is borrowing to complete law school after spending much of her 20s working with horses at stables in the U.S. and Europe. Her cha- challenge is to manage, manage the fresh debt from school and some as some as, and some old ones as well while preparing for a new career. So she's got debt. Imagine that. Working with horses has debt. Uh, By George Erb. Rachel Sindorf admits she's a latecomer to the professional career ladder after spending much of her 20s working with horses at stables in the United States and Europe. Now, okay, if you're working, please tell me you saved money. If you're working, that means you're getting paid, right? So stupid, naive Aaron's going to assume that Rachel Sindorf had saved up her pennies and dives. She loved the work, but the pay was modest, and it was a pretty rough lifestyle, Sindorf said. Well, that's probably because of the patriarchy and the wage gap, right? See, you should be paid as much as a chemical engineer because you want to work with the hossies. The hossies! I want to play with the hossies. Now Sindorf is back in the Seattle area where she grew up and laying the groundwork for a legal career by working in a field and going to law school. Is there even a T1 law school in Seattle? Is there? Hang on, let's look this up. I brought my cell phone. Like I said, I don't have internet access down here yet. Let's look at the tier one law schools. Tier one law schools. Tier one law schools. Remind me to tell you guys... Well, you can't remind me because I'm doing this podcast here. Oh, yeah, I got to turn off that. There we go. Remind me to tell you about the stash of scotch and bourbon my girlfriend got for her birthday. Holy shit, did I choose the wrong time to stop drinking? All right, here they are. <clears throat> Top 1. Uh, organization, is Stanford Law School, number 1. Yep. Okay, we just just give me the whole list. Stanford Law School. Yale, Connecticut. University of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Harvard, Massachusetts. University of Virginia, Virginia. Duke, that's North Carolina. There's an advertisement. University of Chicago, Illinois. University of California, Berkeley. Columbia University. that's New York. University of Michigan, Michigan. New York University of Law. That's New York. Cornell, that's New York. I thought that was in Iowa. Did I think that was in Iowa. Northwestern University, Chicago. Vanderbilt University, Nashville, Tennessee. University of California, Los Angeles. Is there more than 14? Texas. California. Georgetown. Massachusetts. Washington. Oh, that's just the name. It's in St. Louis, Missouri. Displaying 1 through 50 listings. All right, so she's not in Tier 1. William & Mary, Virginia. Notre Dame, Indiana. Davis, University of California. Boston, Massachusetts, Emory is in Georgia, University of Iowa is in Iowa, North Carolina, Washington and Lee is in Virginia, University of Alabama, Alabama, Baylor is in Texas, the Michael E. Moritz College. Lay, <laughs> hey, are you uh, looking for an extracurricular exciting career? Come to the Michael E. Moritz. That's in Ohio, the George Washington University, District of Columbia, James E. Rogers, Arizona, Law University, Georgia. That's the top 50. She's not going to a tier one, which means she shouldn't even be bothering attending at all. So she's going to some shitberg university or, or the school of fuck you law over at Seattle. Uh, is back in the Seattle area where she grew up and laying the groundwork for a legal career by working in the field and going to law school. The 34 year old O. Oh, Pre- that's that's prime wall time like you're, you' you haven't made contact with the wall but your nose is one atom away from hitting it at 34. you are you are going full speed you have achieved maximum velocity you will not be going any faster right now at 34 before you hit right into that wall. The 34 year old Bellevue residents have few assets so how do you not have assets? after 20 years of work. Well, I guess not 20 years, but 15, 14 years of working. And her professional aspirations are forcing her to take on tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Oh, no. So when she saw the Seattle Times a chance to get free financial planning advice, she seized the opportunity. Free advice, why not? Oh, I don't know. The Financial Planning Association of Puget Sound connected Sindorf with a certified financial planning, Stephanie Moreno, and Senior Vice President Harry Smith at RBC Wealth Manager, Royal Bank of Canada, for those of you not in the United States. Uh, Moreno and Smith saw Sindorf's law school debt as a rational strategic investment in the future. <laughs> This is why you don't listen to financial advisors. Two worthless, cocksucking, motherfucking pieces of shit industries right here. Law, specifically lawyers that didn't go to a tier one school, and then financial advisors that didn't go to the U of Chicago or Wharton and are telling you, yep, law degrees are really great degrees. Who you fuck? Who are you? You fucking dumb shits. Where are their names? You fucking worthless sacks of shit. Harry Smith and Stephanie Moreno, shame on you people. Absolute fucking shame on you. Were you you telling people to buy houses in 2005? With zero down on ninja loans? Was that your advice back then, you fucking morons? Jesus, this is, I told you guys, I keep telling you guys. And I know you guys believe me, but I keep feeling that you don't. So I want to point this as more evidence. This is why you don't listen to financial professionals. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, Is it optimal? No, Smith and Sindorf said of, Smith said of Sindorf's student loans. On the other hand, he said, she's got a good game plan. You just keep lying to them, man. Just keep, don't take their dreams away. Even if it goes straight into the depths of hell, you don't, you don't tell them no to their dreams. Sindorf has strong family ties to Alaska, and in her early 20s, she earned a bachelor's and master's degree in English at the University of Anchorage, Alaska Anchorage. Well, they must not speak English up in Alaska. They must speak Russian. Stupid cunt. Da, 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 da. Stupid cunt. Stupid cunt, getting her degrees in English and getting a master's. Stupid cunt, moving to Europe to play with shit. Stupid cunt, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, smoke a blunt. That's close your eyes if you want to look that up. <clears throat> After a dispiriting stint as a technical writer, <laughs> stint. Studied six years of fucking college to not write, to pull off a stint. She decided to take off a, a summer at her family's equestrian center in Palmer, Alaska. And ended up staying seven years. Take, a summer, take off a summer at her family's equestrian center. So the mommy and daddy employed it. The experience led to other jobs at equestrian centers in Tennessee, Florida, and the Netherlands. So in her early 20s. So this is 10 years. She must have saved up money. Must have saved up money. Being around horses has its pleasures, but the work is hard, and Sindorf held a series of minimum-wage jobs that involved bucking hay, cleaning stalls, feeding horses, and giving lives. All right, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to give this girl credit here. This is actually not one of those prima donna types um, that does the dressage. We do dressage. It's like the fancy hoity-toity. She's shoveling the shit. She's bucking the hay. She's doing you know, changing horseshoes and, and hoofing and all that other stuff. She eventually used her English degrees to get teaching. Teachers! I'm a teacher! She eventually used her English degrees to get teaching jobs around Memphis, Tennessee to other English speakers, ultimately realizing the point of why bother. I'm sorry, it doesn't say that. Returning to Seattle. Wait, she eventually used her English degrees to get teaching jobs around Memphis, Tennessee before returning to the Seattle area to launch a legal career. Sindorf is currently the client service manager at the downtown Seattle law firm of, I'm not going to mention, there's no reason, because uh, Aiden, uh, where she earns between forty and 60000 a year working full time. Well, that's a fair wage. She's also finishing her first year at Seattle University of Law, a program that she expects to complete in third year, uh, three years. All right. I'll give her a little bit more credit in that she's actually working in the field. Let's take a look at the Seattle University of Law ranking. Uh, rankings in LSAT. Seattle University of Law, look at it, Seattle, ranked 137th. <laughs> oh, Employment rate of graduates, 74.2. Acceptance rate, 64. Oh, God. Oh, it's maybe not in a strip mall. <clears throat> To finance her studies, Sindorf is borrowing about twenty-one thousand a year at an interest rate of five point eight four percent. That's not that's not bad. That's not bad. By the time she graduates, she can expect to owe about sixty-three thousand in principal alone. How how is it? Is currently the client service manager, in the, and you're earning forty to sixty. Let's say you're earning fifty grand. How is it? You're borrowing. Do you need it? Okay. To finance her studies. So is this in addition, like you're paying the rest of the tuition? Like is $21,000 a year the full cost of the tuition? Because um, that's pretty cheap law school. I still wouldn't go to law school. But that's pretty cheap law school. Uh, or is it that you're making all this money and after spending every penny and dime affording tuition, you still need about $21,000? Let's pull a loan. Even at that level, her debt will be less than... That of many of her counterparts, the average debt of Seattle University law students with loans graduate in twenty fifteen was a hundred and thirty seven thousand. All right, she's doing it all right. We can't hate her that much, guys. She's doing it all right. She's paying off as it goes. So, so it is much costlier. So that's what. One hundred forty divided by three, three forty, forty five thousand, forty five thousand a year. Although young attorneys at large. Firms often pull down six-figure salaries. Compensation for other lawyers is far more modest. The median starting salary nationwide for attorneys who graduated in 2015 was $64,800. Well, if she's making $64,000, why? Sindorf has other debts. She owes about $7,100 on her car, a 2008 Nissan. How do you have a loan on a 2008 vehicle? Did you not save any money? Did you not save any money in the past 10 years? Why do you have consumer debt? She also has two credit cards with outstanding balances. Sindorf is carrying about $6,200 on her Bank of America card, while her Capital One credit card has an outstanding balance of $12. So she has $14,000, 14 half dollars in debt. Fortunately, Sindorf is able to control her living expenses by collating the cost of her Bellevue apartment with her boyfriend, She has nearly 2,003 bank accounts and credit unions. Sindorf's biggest asset is a Roth individual retirement account, which she opened 15 years ago at her grandmother's insistence. Her grandmother, an Alaska resident lifetime long saver, took the then 19-year-old Sindorf to an Anchorage bank and opened up the IRA with $500. She told her granddaughter to deposit $50 a month in account. No matter what, Sindorf recalled, Sindorf complied, and the account balance is now more than $14,000. Oh, my goodness. $14,000. Moreno, the financial planner, urged Sindorf to pay off her costly Capital One credit card, which has a 23% interest rate. But that's math! And the maths are hard. She has a master's degree. She shouldn't have to math! Moreno, the financial planner, urged Sindorf to... Da, 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 da. Uh, its interest rate is by borrowing against her Bank of America credit card, which is only 15%. How about you work two fucking jobs and just work it part-time? So you can work up the money to pay off a car and never have to pay debt? Is that a fucking... But I can't party! I can't get my expensive Seattle coffee! Sindorf was also making accelerated payments on our loan. There we go, which has a low interest rate of 2.99%. Moreno's advice was to make only the minimum payments on the car loan and instead of use the money to first pay down the high-interest credit card. Sindorf made the switch. I don't know how you didn't know to do that beforehand. See, I'm operating from the perspective that you pay off your monthly, your, your credit card balances monthly. So I'm like, well, she just pay that off. I'm like, oh no, wait, that's right. These idiots roll it over at 25%. Thank God we have these financial planners to tell us to pay off the 25% loan uh, instead of the 2.9% loan. Sindorf's modest non-retirement savings concerned Moreno, who recommended stockpiling some money as an emergency fund. She suggested socking away 12000 in a fund that would act as a cash cushion in case Sindorf loses a job or falls ill. Moreno and Smith also discovered that Sindorf was paying a 1% shareholder services fee on her IRA, even though she was getting no advice on the account from her broker. Getting rid, well, by getting rid of the fee, blandly disclosed as a 12b-1 expense, could add up to significant savings over the life of the account. Um, <clears throat> that's why you go to CathyCapitalism.blogspot.com, and you look for the blue and green kind of banner, uh, which is the Betterment. Account That's the Betterment Affiliate program I have where you just invest in index funds and you do it all yourself. It's robo-advising. It's the cheapest way to invest in a 401k, not 401k, an IRA. It's what I'm going to use when I pay off my house. But I don't want to do research. It takes effort. I want to be a lifelong student and work with the horses. As for Sindorf's Law School, debt, Moreno and Smith advised her to grow her way out of it by increasing her income and paying down the balance. She's on the right track, Smith said. She's got the discipline to make this all work. Oh, let's continue lying to the fucking sheep of the country. All right, what else we got here? <clears throat> China. I found this interesting. Someone told me about it, and I finally got off my ass and looked into it. China raises a glass to single malt scotch, a whiskey that is now an investment. Oh, let me tell you about that whiskey. Hang on, let me turn down the heat. So the girlfriend, she uh, she likes scotch and, and, and expensive stuff too. By the way, I remember when she was a cheap drunk. Those were good times. Here's a martini. Oh, what kind of What kind of uh, vodka do I want? You want well? <laughs> this is great. It's got chocolate in it. She didn't say that, but we could, you could always mask really bad vodka by putting a ton of sugar in it. Cosmo, whatever. And then she got smart. And then she started. And what what led to it? What led to it is she started smoking cigars. Oh, I like these. I'm like, oh, good. And everyone thinks that's great. But the problem is once your woman gets into cigars, you know what she's going to get into? Scotches, whiskeys, and bourbons. And, and And then you get betrayed. See, let me explain to you cigar lounge culture. Cigar lounge culture is a bunch of old, accomplished men. And maybe not necessarily old, but certainly men who don't have problems if you can afford a cigar. They've played their cards right. They want to hang out with the gentlemen. They enjoy good conversation. High IQ. If you're high IQ looking for a place to go, go to a cigar lounge. Uh, But it is predominantly a guy's club. Now, that being said, they don't mind if a member of the fairer sex cares to come in and grace us with their beauty. So if you girls want to feel like a million bucks, put on a nice dress. Not a slutty dress. Just put on a nice dress. Go to a cigar lounge, not a not a tobacconist, you got to go to a cigar lounge, walk in and truthfully you become one of the guys you just hang out and they will they will you'll be like the little sister and they will be more than happy to buy you drinks, more than happy to buy you a cigar uh, and you will maybe find yourself a rather well to do 30 forty 50 year old man or or older if you happen to be older anyway, so I bring in the g f To my cigar, my cigar lounge, mine. It's my cigar lounge. Just like that's my bar down the street. Then there's my cigar lounge over in St. Paul. And they all know me. Well, then I bring in this tall drink of water and she's all dressed up because she's coming from the corporate gig and got the corporate power girl thing going on with the bootsy boots. And oh, they, 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 oh, well, hey, well, you can't just have a a cigar. You need a scotch to go with that. A scotch, well, I kind of like it. And then, then it's over. Once they taste it, you you can't get away with Gordon's whiskey, you can't get away with you know uh, Jim Beam. It's no, it's over. Then they discover Jack. Then they discover Scotch, and it's not Cuddy Sark either. All of a sudden, they're drinking Macallan uh, uh, Twelve, McKellen Fifteen. The numbers keep going up and up and up. Well, let me let me tell you a story because this is this is how maybe look into it. So the GF and I were out in Vegas, hanging out with my pilot buddy. We go to a cigar lounge. What do you have to have with your cigar? You got to have a scotch. So the old GF, she's thinking, well, you know, I'm on business here and, and we're on the strip and we're at a fancy cigar lounge and, I, uh, you know, it's been a long flight. I deserve a scotch. But you know what? I'm not going to have any old scotch. I'm going to get myself an 18-year-old scotch because I've never had an 18-year-old scotch. And literally, she know that the price of scotch is exponential with time. That it's you can get a, you know, five-year-old scotch and then there's... What twelve, fifteen? Uh, but once you get past fifteen, it really takes off. So, geez, used to what? Is it the McClellan fifteen? Damn, she got expensive tastes. Um, John, let's just put it this way: Johnny Walker's not good enough for her. <laughs> what do you mean? We'd be per- we'd be singing the praises. They would go to church the next morning if we got a bottle of Johnny Walker in college. Now it's not good. What, you, you don't like it. So uh, she decides to order an 18-year-old scotch. Doesn't look at the price. On the strip, on the strip, at a cigar lounge, one of these fake, you know, gonna be out of business in three years type of places. Because, you know, it's, it's a flash in the pan. Uh, $75. 75 fucking dollars. So I was talking to someone and they were saying, yeah, uh, scotch has gone up in price because of all the Chinese They don't know what to buy with with their money. They've been buying property, driving property prices up in Vancouver and Australia and other uh, Pacific coastal areas, Hawaii. Uh, They've been buying up this, they've been buying that. Now they're going after scotch. And sure enough, here it is. China raises a glass to single malt scotch, a whiskey that is now an investment. This is from USA China Daily. Make China's a single mulch. The supply of coveted single mulch scotch whiskey can't keep up with the world's demand, and it is countries such as China that are driving a lot of that thirst. The Platinum Whiskey Investment Fund, boy, I should have gotten in on that deal, which is based in Hong Kong's special administrative region and holds a collection of single malts valued at $5.65 saw so a 26% increase in the value of its top-shelf stash over last year. The fund, which premiered in 2014, has a portfolio of more than 7,500 bottles of single malt scotches. With a minimum investment of $250,000, the fund has raised $9 million of a $10 million target from 37 private investors, mostly in Hong Kong, with some of China's Taiwan. No, no, no. That's all. Oh, see, It is from China Daily. Sorry, China Daily. It's Taiwan. It's not China's Taiwan. It's not your Taiwan. It's Chiang Kai-shek's Taiwan. And... Our U.S. Navy says so. I even like China, but don't be telling me that this is your part of China. It's not. Uh, In the worst case, if we can't sell some of the whiskey, then the 37 of us are going to have a damn good party. Investor Ted Hodgkinson, a Hong Kong businessman, told Bloomberg. And this week, Platinum announced that it would pay its first dividend. We hope to announce the dividend in the next three months. We're looking at a 5 to 10% dividend. CEO Rikish Keshnani told Bloomberg, our target return for our investors is 15% to 10% net per year. Well, you're, you're, it's purely speculative. Even though I'd be against something like this because there is no cash flow involved, you're just hoping the price of scotch goes up, <clears throat> which it has. Um, it's not like these scotch bottles are like, Cattle, and they mate, and little scotch bottles come out, and they grow into big scotch bottles. Going to the fund's perspective, the price of investment-grade whiskey rose 292% from 2008 to 2012. The investment-grade scotch whiskey index, who knew there was such a thing? Which follows auction prices rose 14% last year, outperforming gold, which fell more than 10% in the S&P, which was largely flat. Global single-mulch exports jumped almost 160% between 2004 and 2014, according to the Scotch Whiskey Association. Whiskey production in the 1980s did not scale up enough to meet the current demand for aged single, sculpt, single malt whiskeys globally, particularly in Asia, the prospectus says. Look at that, that's right, they had a bottle of this shit in the 80s. God, there's some of these whiskeys and scotches are older than most of my listeners'. I've thought about that. Like if I ever get my property out in South Dakota, I would like to like start making scotch. And in part inspired by this this idea. Like, okay, if I start my scotches now, 20, 30 years from now, and then I bring them out and I do it right. You know, what does a 35-year-old scotch go for? Could I sell that bottle of scotch for uh, what? Uh, a grand? Two grand? What does it go for? <clears throat> I'll tell you what I can sell it for. More than an English degree. That's why I could sell it more for it. Honestly, you know, English degree or a bottle of or 50 year old scotch? Scotch, please. Uh, Asia now receives one-fifth of all scotch exports, buying about 250 million bottles a year. In China, everybody is, about, is talking about it, said Stephen Notman of the Whiskey Corporation, a whiskey investment firm with offices in Hong Kong and Shanghai. Nobody thought in a million years that there would be a market there for 30, 40-year-old whiskey. The Whiskey Corp. specializes in creating bespoke single malt whiskey portfolios and exclusive private releases from Scotland's most famous distilleries, its website says. We utilize the knowledge of the most respected authorities and were the first to identify the rapidly emerging and highly lucrative single malt investment market here in Hong Kong. Don't make it sound like you guys are all that smart. China just made more money that we're in a recession, you're like, hey, you know what, there was all, I guarantee you what happened is people are like, shit, what store is well in a financial crisis and collapse? And people are starting to talk about booze, and you're like, hey, maybe we ought to buy up a bunch of this fucking high-end scotch, because if the electricity shut off, I'm drinking the good shit before uh, fucking tuberculosis or the Black Plague sets in. Uh, interest in the smooth spirit in China is not new. Uh, these new whiskey drinkers, mostly affluent self-made men, are shelling out big money for single malts, skipping the blended scotches, which are typically a starter for new drinkers of this liquor in the West, the Wall Street Journal noted in 2010. Even with a slower economy the past year, China is not seeing a let-up in demand for single malt. The world's most expensive scotch, a Macallan M, sold for more than $268,000 at the Sotheby's auction in Hong Kong in 2014. A Macallan M. How old is that shit? The single malt contained within a beautifully designed and meticulously crafted crystal decanter boasts a rich natural color, complexity, and sumptuous intensity. Never Imagine if, if women use this on their, their, their dating profile apps or their, their websites. Contained within this scantily clad is a decanter boasting a rich and natural woman, complexity, and sumptuous intensity never seen before in a single malt. Every drop is laden with character, the character absorbed from the sherry-seasoned Spanish oak cast that nurture it through its maturation process, a Macallan press release said. Macallan, based in Moray, Scotland, plans to open a second distillery by 2018. All Scotch whiskey has to be aged for at least three years, a situation that keeps a bid under prices. Kishani's Whiskey Fund also includes older Japanese whiskies, which are also soaring in value... Silent still whiskeys from shuttered distilleries are also part of the fund's stock. Well, that's very interesting. I thought I just want to share that with you here. <clears throat> oh, God, look at this. We, I got, we got one more. We got, uh, we got one more news. One more news. Now, listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? Minnesota, I keep telling you boys, keep telling you do not move here, don't I? Do I not tell you not to move here? Taxes, cold, fat women. Short article from the Austin Daily Herald. Uh, we have. Let me give you the background though before I get ahead of myself. Uh, we have the the World Series. Uh, World Series. What's it called? The really big, dumb, overpaid people. Football. The Super Bowl. That's right. The Super Bowl. Minneapolis has the Super Bowl with our new one point five billion dollar or whatever it cost the taxpayer U.S. Bank Stadium uh, because the Metrodome which was perfectly functional, apparently wasn't good enough. So uh, we spent $1.5 billion to maybe get oh, $200 million in net profits come Super Bowl time. So uh, that's the big excitement. And all the sheep, and by sheep this time I don't mean women majoring in English working with hossies. I mean your stupid, dumb, motherfucking, swipple, dipshit, Polaris jacket-wearing, ski, uh, not ski, uh, snowmobiling morons out in the suburbs. Uh, we're like, oh, football, Vikings, yeah, man. Like they go, go, purple pride, purple pride. Those fucking morons. Those idiots that I gladly use to graduate top of my class because I didn't graduate because I was smart. I graduated because everybody else was fucking stupid. Those fucking morons. Those are the ones that, that vote up their ta- own ta- And then bitch and whine about high Minnesota taxes. Anyway, <clears throat> Minnesotans apply in droves to volunteer for the 2018 Super Bowl. Minnesotans showed early interest in being part of the Super Bowl 52 next February by submitting 4,470 applications to volunteer in just a few hours Wednesday. The Minnesota Super Bowl host committee needs 10,000 volunteers for the event. Jobs range from interviewing and training other volunteers to greeting visitors at the airport and standing on street corners to give directions and advice. Now, if you did not know, Atham, look at this map. Uh, Look at Minnesota, particularly Minneapolis, if you want to know exactly where this will be. And then you can also, with this Google thing, search average temperatures of February in Minnesota. And uh, it it has happened, especially in Lambeau Field, where it's not played indoors. But outdoors, it is below zero. And below zero is miserable. And they got, now understand, they need 10,000 volunteers. And keep in mind, this isn't paid, mind you. This is just football. Football! Go Vikings! Football! Those fucking mouth gaping morons, uh, almost 5,000 of them signed up on the first day you could volunteer. You don't know where you're going to be. You could be at the airport. Black Lives Matter could shut it down. You could be outside, uh, handing out flyers, giving directions in the bitter cold. You could be downtown which is several blocks away, trying to help people from the light rail to go to... You, you don't, Lord knows what you're going to be doing. But you're going to find out what you won't be doing. Uh, the 4,470 tally reflects the number of applications submitted before 5.30 p.m. <clears throat> Host Committee Spokeswoman, Andrea Makros. Mark- anticipated more would apply after work in the evening. Minnesota's enthusiasm is already on display, she said. The magic number of enlisted volunteers is actually 13,000 to account for the standard dropout rate of 30%. Volunteer director Ellie Kohi, you want to talk about a gal who doesn't have a degree in chemical engineering? Just guessing. Ellie, you can contact me at any time and I will make the correction. She said she's looking for proud Minnesotans who are eager and customer service-oriented. Training, orientation, and face-to-face interviews for most won't start until fall. Job-specific training will occur in January. In the 10 days leading up to the game, each volunteer is expected to work three shifts ranging from four to six hours. There are no volunteer jobs inside the stadium during the game. So did you, did, did you see it, folks? Do you see how fucking stupid Minnesotans are? There's enough dumb motherfucking idiot sheep in this state, in the metro, that they're easily going to blow through this 13,000 volunteer requirement, this number. And they're not getting paid, and they're not even going to be able to see the Super Bowl. You want to talk about sheep. You want to talk about religious zealots. You want to talk about people with fucking nothing to do in their lives. The Vikings aren't going to make it to the Super Bowl. And even if they did, these people can't get in it. They just want... I mean, it is brilliant. Absolutely just as good as Oprah and fashion industry and the women's shows industry have completely hoodwinked women into parting with their money and buying stuff that goes out of fashion next year and absolutely buying shit they don't need. You got to hand it to the NFL, the NBA, ESPN. Those guys are geniuses. They got... Men to line up just as sheepishly as women as they do at a a Nordstrom sale. They got these stupid motherfucking men. Predominantly, I'm going to give women credit on this because most of you are smart enough not to stand in the fucking zero degree weather in February or even risk it. Not only the day of the game, but you got to go in for training. You got to go in for interviews. And then you got to work multiple shifts. Several multiple hours. 10 days before the game you have committed remember I was talking about how I am acutely aware I am kind of like the flash I'm acutely aware of my mortality they are not these people are not they're dumb they, they, they are completely unaware of, of just what a precious thing they've given up it's like they gave up a two weeks vacation That's literally what they gave up. They gave up what their families look forward to, what they look forward to every year, what they slave away the other 50 weeks for. They gave that up to go be the NFL's bitch. I mean, not only... Guys, Minnesota suburbanites with males. I got a question. Is it Ziggy Wolf, for the listeners outside of Minnesota, Ziggy Wolf is the Minnesota Vikings owner, and he's the one that just fucked up... the Minnesota taxpayer in the ass. But I got to ask the Swipple suburbanite men of the Twin Cities. That means Woodbury, Egan, the EP, the WBL, Minnetonka, the Wyzeze, Maple Grove, Richfield, you Northern Hicks and Anoka with your Polaris jackets. Um, I, all All you guys in the suburbs who watch football, where did you go to get the surgery to drill another hole in your ass so that Ziggy Wolf could fuck you in your second asshole? Does Ziggy have two chaffs I'm unaware of? Does he not get off on fucking the America, Minnesota taxpayer in the ass? Like, he, he's, he needs, he's got another dick, he's got to fuck you guys in the ass again too? What's that like, volunteers? 13,000 ass rape victim volunteers offers Ziggy Wolf. You you fucking and you deserve it. You know what? You deserve to have all the marital problems, your financial problems, your miserable fucking life that you put a bunch of fucking guys who have nothing to do with the state. They have they weren't born and raised here. They don't know your fucking name. And they may not even make it to the fucking Super Bowl. But you people have such little fucking shit going on in your life. Not only will you willingly vote in to rape yourself in taxes, you will willingly vote away, not vote away, volunteer away your free time that should be spent with your families and on yourself just so you can help out Ziggy Wolf a little bit more. Now I think about it, I don't know if Ziggy Wolf makes any money off of the Super Bowl. But wait, no, he... Does he make off make money off of the Super Bowl? He must. Does do the Vikings own U.S. Bank Stadium? I just I just want to know, since you're getting fucked in the ass all the time, like, how do you? It's got you got to have a second hole. To be that stupid, you really have to have a second hole to be one of these volunteers. Bunch of dumbasses. <clears throat> all right, let's do some more sponsors. Assholeconsulting.com. If you have questions that you need. uh from an older brother figure. Contact me, America's older brother, at assholeconsulting.com. The old captain will dispense his advice on your particular specific situation. I know I give a lot of advice and wisdom through the blog and the podcast and the writing and all that other stuff. But uh, not everybody's problem is solved by one of my books and certainly we have had some very unique situations. If you're willing to part with $25 on average for an email, $35 on average for a video, the old captain will do that. Also... I kind of want to do a live show. I got myself a new webcam, and I'd like to start doing um, asshole consulting live. So, if you have a question, you don't mind being on the YouTube's, we we film it, it goes straight to YouTube, and then after we watch it, if you don't like it, we could we could certainly delete it. But you know, one at minimum would it would address your problems. But if you're willing to to come online uh, and do a shoe, uh let me know because I would I wouldn't mind doing asshole consulting live. So if you're like kind of kicking around, eh, I don't know. I'll I'll cut you a discount, um, because I still got to get paid for my time, because I have no free time left, guys. I have none. Asshole consulting kicked my ass. I um, and I'm pissed too. I'd really like to write. I would really like to write more, and I'm getting maybe two decent posts a weekend on the blog, and I have not made any progress on it. And I got two books I really like to like real books, not not pamphlets that I'd like to write. Anyway, uh, I'll I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a discount for helping me trial this out and trial balloon at float a balloon. Uh, but if you'd like to contact me either email advice, a video response, Skype, I charge $200 an hour for somebody wanted that. Um, and then if you're willing to do, uh, asshole consulting live, let me know. You need a webcam too. Yeah, I guess you don't need a webcam. You just have to have an image. You just need a YouTube channel. Basically just need a YouTube account and a microphone. So, uh, contact me at asshole consulting. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast, you may. Costs $100 a month, but it also gets the ads on my YouTube channel, which now has officially over 30,000 subscribers. And the blog, which, if I fucking start writing regularly more often, I probably, I'm around seven or 800 unique readers a day. Um, and not, They're the same ones that come every day, I, I think. I don't know for a fact. I'm not going to multiply times 30 and say, I got 24,000 monthly, fr- they're unique. They're all unique. No, they're not. Uh, Elkin CPA, if you need your taxes done, you better get hopping, boy, because you got less than a month left. Go to ElkinCPA.com. Matter of fact, if it's this late in the game, don't bother going to Elkin CPA unless you have your W-2 and everything right there ready and waiting to go. Chad also does advising, uh, financial advising. He'll consult your business. He'll do you know anything that accountants do. And he'll wear a green brim hat like the old-time accountants did. he even wear an armband if you want. He's got that outfit. It's very kinky. He turns the girls on. His female clientele loves it. Um and he'll do that. It costs a little bit more if you want the sexy bron- green brimmed hat, uh nineteen tens bow tie accountant, but he'll, he'll he'll you know, he's a free market man. He's all for capitalism. <laughs> he is he has satiated many ladies with their taxes. <laughs> so you can visit Elkin's. At ElkinCPA.com. <clears throat> we have the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. Go to 405media.com where our buddy John Grant kindly reposts my podcast on his podcast station. Uh, we have uh, Obsidian Radio. He's on YouTube. Go talk to Obsidian Radio. Mumia. Uh, Mumia Obsidian. Uh, he has been helping out a lot of the uh, young black men get exposed to the red pill. And so uh, visit our buddy there. Uh, also related is O'Shea Jackson. Our, uh, our, you know, one of our common and many black men from Sacramento who went to Poland to become doctors. That's like a whole new thing. It's like a fad. Check out his YouTube channel as well. Kerry Lutz, FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com I was on his show last month um, and um, if you are interested in precious metals, worried about inflation, government debt, he has people way more intelligent than me on his show, much more educated Um, and he's got a female economist who hates my gut she's good she's really danielle something is it parks or daniel reeves oh she hates my guts. she thinks i'm such a misogynist and oh she does not like me so i knew because i i read some of her she's she's really good she's actually a genius and um i'm like wow you know hey i see you got this book out that ain't doing so well um you 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 write amazing that uh let's coke sponsor and co-plug each other like I don't think you'd I said something like I don't think you'd want to dirty your hands with a woman you're misogynist I was like (laughs) well she may have tuned into the Clary podcast (laughs) but he has uh uh, what's his name Uh, Rubino not Rubino Andy Kaufman um the guy with the mustache I can see his face DollarCollapse.com. Why can't I remember his name? Anyway, check it out. He's got some very intelligent economists like people who are actually still in the, in the system. Whereas I've retired from economics, but you guys keep dragging me back in. Silvio Conto. Canto was stuck. He had, uh, um, uh, 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 shit. I'm losing it. Everybody with facial hair, I'm losing it today. Bee guy. Hello, one of your best friends. Matt Baldoni. He had Matt Bledoni because neither he or I knew this, but apparently Silvio is, like, this huge Bee Gees fan. And, uh, and like, so huge that he, like, moderates a, a fan group or a discussion board about the Bee Gees. And so Matt was telling me this. I'm like, Silvio? He's like, yeah. Guy from Cuba? He's like, yeah. Living in Dallas? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I would have never thought a million years. Like, neither did I. So I got to download that. Shit, I got a link to that, too. <clears throat> All right, that'll be on... I'll be on my to-do list uh, tomorrow. And then we have our good friend, St. Lycus, uh, Tom Lycus at blowmeuptom.com. Uh, go there and talk to the father you never had, or at least listen to him. And uh, if you are of the entrepreneurial mindset, once again, I cannot endorse advertising on his show enough. Uh, if it wasn't for Tom and uh, PJ Media, Dr. Glenn and Dr. Helen, uh, those three people I owe, uh a majority, I would have to say, of my success too, because uh, they're the ones that actually make my books go. Uh, so if you're looking to advertise, please consider your advertising dollars over at Tom Likas' show. Go to blowmeuptom.com, not just to listen to the show, but also advertise if you're interested. Uh, then we have the Cynical Libertarian Society, Sin Lib Soch, mentioned him before. Uh, if you could get through the hatred and the rage, which is in part why I tune in. Uh, and the borderline racist stuff, where you're kind of like, ew, ew. You wince if you're okay with wincing every once in a while. Like, yeah, grin your teeth and bear it. Um, it's a pretty fucking funny show. Uh, then we also have academic composition. Go to academiccomposition.com, where Alex and his crack- crackpot team of writing staff will uh, write your papers for you in college. I don't know if he does high school. I think he avoids minors. Uh, and they also will do your resumes for a hundred dollars a piece. Um. That is uh, that's pretty good actually uh, he's also looking to hire so if you want to write papers like you know how to write bullshit and make put a nice little leftist feminist Marxist spin on it uh, that's good uh, and then also he's looking for marketers both of these jobs are very boring but both of them can be done from the comforts of your own home or a beach or a goodwill towel laden shed out in the back of your house. <clears throat> So, you can go ahead and do it for pretty much wherever as long as you have internet access. Uh, then we have um, two audiologists. What do we call them? Voice professionals, voice actors. These are two guys that have read my books Jim Fear 138. You can find them at jimfear138.blogspot.com. And Undertow Audio at UndertowAudio.com. Uh, Undertow is also the co host for our good buddy Chris Beckloff over at the Beckloff Podcast. Um he did um I was going to talk about it but we're coming up on 2 hours and I'm still not through. I'm going to leave these here. Is this the what's the lithium battery? Oh this is an old true crime. Yeah, that's an old one. Let's throw that down there. I don't even have a garbage in the new recording studio. Um but we'll get one. It's it's a work in progress. Um uh, bu- 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 what was I talking about? Or to audio. Yeah, so um, if you have any audio recording requests, any work that you need done, talk to these guys. They are professional. They do a very good, high-quality job. Uh, I, practically no errors, some minor shit. It's like, oh, you, you know, and you can edit it yourself. But these guys uh, are very affordable, very fair pricing, very good, very professional. will get the, your shit done to you fast. So if you have an audio book out there or anything you want read, like I, I know a lot of my listeners don't like it, um, but people still do like it. it saves me time is I will have uh, undertow read um, some posts of mine um, and then um like a from my blog and put them up on YouTube because there's not a lot of overlap between my YouTube audience and my uh, blog audience like the youtube people don 't want to read, and the blogger people don 't want to listen, so I gotta come out with both uh, things and he's he 's quite affordable so consider hiring those young gentlemen there. Also, if you're looking uh, to advertise your book or any kind of uh, other product, uh, consider advertising it on Instagram.com slash ultimate reading list. You say, what the hell? Why would I Instagram? What... I don't know, but it works. This kid, I don't I don't claim to understand how the social media works, guys. I really don't. It's not time. I'm in it for a while. I'm like, oh, that's why it works. Well, this guy, Max, he has the setup, and he's got over 30,000 subscribers. to the. And, and when I advertise uh, my my books on his site, I at least earn back the $100, at least. Usually double my money uh, for that month. So I would, I definitely endorse him, especially if you're an author. But he's starting to uh, expand his advertisements to non-book things. So uh, if you're interested uh, in buying a book or looking at some services, go to Instagram.com. Check out his slash ultimate reading list. Or if you want to email him, email him at max at wooter.co. That's max at Wouter, wooter, W-O-O-T-E-R, .co. Not.com.co. And um it's a hundred bucks a month. Let him know the captain sent you so he knows. Oh yeah, the captain sent me as a good idea. All right, And then you can follow me on the social medias. Follow me on Twitter. I got like 4,800 subscribers, I think, or followers, or whatever they're called. And I'm f- I'm slowly starting to understand why you need the subscribers and the likes. At first I was like, this is just a A popularity contents and jerking off. That's what it is. It's not. What it is, it's all about the algorithm. So if I get 5,000 subscribers on Twitter, all of a sudden, it's it's more likened to the laws of physics and gravity. The more mass you have, the more pull you have. So the more likes I get, think of it adding more gravity to my sphere of influence. The more followers I have, subscribers I have, the more mass and density I have. And there I have more gravitational pull. And therefore, I'll be shown more on Twitter. I'll be shown more on Facebook. I'll be shown more on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed on YouTube and you're listening, now you haven't subscribed, just go through the old standards. There's Facebook. There's Twitter. There's YouTube. I think those are the main ones. Then there's also Minds.com and Gab.ai. That's those are the, the free speech ones. Those are the ones that aren't going to kick you off no matter what you say, because they actually believe in free speech. Um so uh and they're also my backups in case you wanted to go there. I also have a daily motion account if you want to subscribe there just for shits and giggles, but that's kind of like the backup in case YouTube decides that I don't have free speech. Oh, which you can, because it is a private company. They have every right to do that. Um so we got that there. Ba, 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 ba. Um yeah. Oh, and then I guess you, oh, that's the other, that was the other main one. Go to iTunes, even though I, I hate Apple, go to iTunes, write a review, like it. That, that's the other thing. You write a re- real review, like the star, you get a one through five star rating, That do that. That also helps, and that sends, oh, wow, have you considered the Clary Podcast? Oh, no, who is this guy? Oh, my God, he's the greatest guy ever. we got that. All right, fan mail. We got the fan mail. Uh, Brian writes, Aaron, I recently landed a six-digit job for the first time. One of my problems has always been portion control of meals. I just eat eat too much. Well, that was kind of a real switcheroo on the sentences. Uh, I recently came up with a new method for portion control of meals. I call it the asshole portion control. It succeeded where everything else has failed. And I totally believe him on this. I was laughing my ass off when I read this. I order a large meal at a restaurant, eat only a small part of it, and throw the rest away. I don't take a doggy bag. I just wastefully wastefully throw it away. Why? Because I think it's kind of cool that I can now afford to waste food like that when other people go hungry. The mild dopamine buzz of doing it seems to have the same same effect on stifling hunger as does nicotine or prescription amphetamines without the side effects such as dry mouth or lung cancer. Hope that was helpful. Best. Brian, that is fucking awesome. I've never thought of it that way. But, uh, that's, uh, that's good. Oh, this is a long one. Well, uh, let's go through this one anyway. A young unnamed man writes, Hello, Mr. Clare. I've been a fan of your work for about three years now or so, first discovering you through your YouTube channel and eventually your blog and podcast. I'm writing to you because, quite frankly, I feel I owe it to you personally to say thank you and reinforce that you are doing good work and that, yes, there are black people out there like me that are getting the message. Oh, I know, no, uh, uh, O'Shea Jackson and I keep plugging him not just because he's really good, but he has definitely helped me out in this regard. His podcast alone got the Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty like ranked up into like the top forty thousand percent, which is really good, especially considering most books are ranked a millionth, and the ranking is exponential. Um, so yeah, he's we're it's slowly growing, but I think that, that is the way to help out black men the most now is to go through the red pill, go through women, and explain how socialist policies, maliciously intended or not, have ruined the black man's life by ruining black women for for men. The the government just stole your women because you can't compete against an unlimited government check and free this and free that and free this and free that. You just can't. There's no way. I sadly grew up like most black men in a poor neighborhood with a dysfunctional family. I will be first to admit that I didn't even have it as bad as a few of my friends my mother worked uh, at a place and my father worked uh, at a government gig. However, my father was an alcoholic and very abusive, and eventually my parents split. He later went to prison, and I no longer had him in my life. Even though he was around, I was still basically raised by my mother like so many other black men. I realized today, after high school, I was not prepared for the real world at all, and it has taken me 10 years of pain and suffering to realize that. Dude, that's exactly what took me. That's exactly, and that's what we're trying to stop. Like, If you read, I hate to keep plugging my books, but it's a win-win-win. Be it black man's got out of poverty, be it worthless, be it bachelor pad, be it reconnaissance man. It's not just to save you time or money from pissing away your money on stupid shit. It is the time. Every guy, I think every guy and girl listening to this right now is saying, dang, if I had only known now what I, if I only knew back then what I do now, I could have saved decades, decades. You wouldn't have gone, I think you go into the arts, I think. I wouldn't have gone into finance. We both probably would have been sitting across from each other from a nuclear engineering program like, Hey, hey, you uh, here to study atoms? Yeah. You? Same. Not a lot of women here in our class. No, no, not a lot. I noticed that too. Well, guess there's nothing to do but study and sell our services to the Iranians. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh... Not prepared, and it took me ten years of pain and suffering. I realized I certainly wasn't an intelli- I certainly wasn't an unintelligent student in grade school. However, I do regret never putting forth my full effort. While, do- while doing so, I was a B plus student that should have made an A. However, <laughs> you're were B plus student. Well, you're better than me. They called me Solid C's, Clary. That's what they called me. Always solids, and with a minus typically at the end of them. However, for some reason or another, intelligence and doing well is mocked in the black community. Crabs in a bucket, and they're jealous. And they're afraid. They're afraid that they could have tried at any point in time and had a better life. Instead, they like to they like to blame other people and have the guilt and the responsibility removed. Because usually if you're responsible for your own decisions, oh, the average human brain and ego can't take that. You go into a huge depression. So it's always somebody else's fault. This is why a lot of girls discover Jesus. They become born again Christians because the Lord has a plan. Like, you know, her spreading the legs for the fucking bad boy and not being on birth control, that was the Lord's plan, so it was all fate, so it wasn't her fault. It's amazing what people will tell themselves as Christians. Hang to turn the heat on again. Good letter, by the way. Um, oh, baby, I blame everyone but me. Oh, there it was, B student. However, for some reason or another, I was picked on for being a nerd because I didn't butcher the English language. Yeah, well, look at where you are now. I bet you are light years, even though we wasted 10 years of time, you're way ahead. As a result, I never really put forth the effort into learning math that I should have and eventually chose a major out of high school that didn't require it because I had a natural aptitude for it. I was an absolute moron and decided to give an art institute money. Oh, no! <clears throat> oh, shit. An earned degree in something I was already proficient in. I'm Currently 31 years old. I didn't realize until I was 28 where I went wrong. Back then, I was a stupid 18-year-old kid with zero guidance from teachers on my mind. You cannot rely on the government, and I hate to say it, you cannot rely on most parents. Even though your parents love you and they don't mean it maliciously, a lot of people just do not have the ability to hurt their children's feelings, even if it is good for them in the long run. And a lot of them just don't know any better. I mean, they're older people. They say, hey, a degree is a good degree. It worked in 1968. Uh, I didn't. I don't need to pay twenty dollars and have you rip me a new one on YouTube. I would never do that, <clears throat> for being a complete dumbass and fuck up my life. Uh, I put myself into my position. I can't blame anyone but me. No, you can blame. See, this is this is where people are too hard on themselves. You weren't told the right. See, and this is what almost ten years ago, more than ten years ago, yeah, thirteen years ago. 13 years ago, there was not anyone blowing the horns or sounding the alarms for this shit. And the fact you came from the black community, uh, good heavens, good luck getting out of that brainwashing. You want to talk about full and complete and echo chamber brainwashing, not to mention punishment, if you dare have a different thought. I'm surprised you came out of it like with independent thought, period. So I would, I would not be beating yourself up so hard. Uh, however, the hardest aspect of realizing I wasted my own talent, years of my life, was the fact that yes, your teachers and your mother were horrible liars. My mother suggested I go to art school because of my talent, and that I should do what I enjoy. Yeah, she—I don't think she was doing that out of spite. When, while she truly meant that, what, while she truly meant what was best for me, it was hardest for me to look honestly at myself and admit she steered me down a horrible path. She did, and it's not just your mom. It's nearly—I'd say 80 percent of parents, because they not—they're not just—they're not just, just not that bright. They're just not. They're not experienced. They're out of touch. Again, this is why I always worry. Like, you know, when I give dating advice, what good is a 42-year-old's dating advice to an 18-year-old now? And then I read articles and I see what's happening. I'm like, holy shit, it's more vital than ever. But the, the, the labor market for college degrees have certainly changed since the 60s and the 70s. Uh... After graduation, I worked a few years saving up the money to pursue my dreams of going to art school. Uh, I finally entered. Much to my surprise, I realized I wasn't happy. It stares me plain in the face today, but back then I couldn't quite understand it. I had the, intellig- I had the internal intelligence to realize I was being duped by a vile education system, but lacked the self awareness to admit it. I spent the next few years working a crappy job, trying to make it on my own and paying off my debt before I eventually having to move back to live with my mom. Here I am at the age of 27 at the same position I was at 18 with nothing to show for it. Uh, It wasn't until I discovered your YouTube channel and purchased your book, Worthless, that things started to make sense. I realized it wasn't that I did anything wrong. There we go. There we go. I did all the right things. I graduated, worked to save money. I pursued my dream. My fault was realizing that I was chasing fool's gold and that no one told me. Uh, For once, things in life started to make sense. I realized my mother's advice to do what makes you happy career advice was absolute nonsense. And looking back on the terrible life choices she herself has made, it's insane that I ever thought she knew better at the first place. Yeah, but you were a kid. You were a kid. <clears throat> you don't know when you're a kid. This is why I will give the millennials a little bit of forgiveness, because they're brought up by my generation and, and young boomers. The worst parents you could possibly have. However, I got my shit together. Uh wait, a did I skip a sentence? okay however i got my shit together and took the prerequisites to enter a surgical technology program i was recently accepted and currently doing very well towards my certificate i hope my story can prevent future generations of black people from committing the same mistakes or anyone else that failed miserably in life to realize that yes you can change and that it's never too late to turn your life around thank you mr Claire, for helping me realize what's needed to be done, and open my eyes to a better future and a better life. Well, thank you very much. I don't want to mention your name because I don't want you getting in trouble or having any kind of backlash for it. This will go in the book of mementos, or the box of mementos. I'll save that. i will fold that one up. How darn it, this heater is... It can't be a happy medium. Let's go low. And we'll drop it down. 64. There, That should make it nice and cool. Anyway, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. And, yeah, hopefully I I don't have a huge black leadership, but disproportionately higher than relative to the population. Um, but thank you very much. A young man writes, felt compelled to comment on a recent post regarding growing up in the 80s. Or, ironically, we talked about the 80s. I've got about 10 years on you, but I, too, feel very fortunate to have grown up as a free-range kid in the 70s and the 80s. By the first grade, six years old, I walked to and from school about three-quarters of a mile through the same neighborhood. In the summer and on weekends, I left in the a.m. on my bike. Remember how the bike was to a kid, what a car is to an adult? Absolutely, especially when you got the ten-speed. Then your range like quadrupled. I remember my parents always, like, "We don't have money for. We can't put miles on the car. We can't put miles on the car." It's like, why did we get the fucking car? Got a old used steel frame Schwinn, weighed a ton. Bike the living hell out of that thing. It is, it is freedom. It is a car. Um. Uh, in summer on weekends I'll the to on my bike to play in the woods or swim and fish in the river or spend the day at the pool or play grab ass football or whatever oh man wish I could do that as an adult you can't because if you just start swimming in the river and play grab ass and climb a tree you're going to get the cops called on you uh, da, 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 da. sometimes I came home for lunch sometimes I didn't but as long as I was home by the time the street lights were on yep yep I was okay but God help me if I wasn't What a difference from the play date nonsense the supervised fun of today. For the past 20 or 30 years, kids have become so coddled by helicopter parents that it's no wonder they need a safe spaces by the time they get to college. They have no real world experience navigating the hierarchy of human behavior. These days, the schoolyard bully is dealt with by mom calling the principal or maybe even the cops. I'm no fan of the schoolyard bully, but dealing with him is part of growing up. If you don't learn as a 10 year old, then you certainly won't be equipped to do so in the workforce. But of course, I'm preaching to the choir... The post struck a note with me, though, because it's a topic I've thought about many times and want to give it a thumbs up. Keep up the good work, sir. Yours is an important and respected voice in the manosphere. So it's uh, v- VR? What does VR mean? Uh, Mike. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Well, I, that also goes into the, the thing of that. All right. I got another thing, but you know what? We're going to save that for the next Clary Podcast because it's important. Uh, and it doesn't really require cursing. I did need to curse on this one. Anyway, <clears throat> that's it for the Cleary Podcast. Go ahead, men. Fidget with your nuts. Make sure you don't have the st- uh, testicular cancer. Ladies, go uh, get your mammogram, uh, or at least let your boyfriend practice giving mammograms uh, so you make sure you don't have the breast cancer. And that's it. Um, sorry for the delay. I want to thank everyone who subbed for me. And I apologize for the lack of writing and the book, but um, honest to God. Uh, I mean, it's, good, it's a good blessing. It's really good, but asshole consulting has been kicking my ass, um, and uh, but uh, I, I have to. Maybe I should take on writers. Don't email me. Oh, I'm alright I know. I know you're all writers. I know you're all writers. I'd like to have what Roosh has set up, where he has like really good. Uh, well, there's a damn spider in here. Fuck! Get out of here, goddamn spider. Uh, but um, I was thinking about bringing on some writers, but you need people to write regularly and consistently. I just don't have the time. I just what it what it really boils down to is I refuse to wake up earlier. I that's the one thing. After the hell I had to go through back in my youth with waking up and not having sleep, I sleep in till I wake up and I'm never going back again. I'm never going back. All right. That's all we got. Tell family, tell friends, tell enemies, tell people you're generally indifferent about. We'll talk to you later. Toodles.